Good morning, everyone. You were around last weekend, last Sunday? That was a good day, wasn't it? A really good day. I sort of feel like um, I'm, I'm, I'm the kind of the speaker after Pastor Charles Montgomery. So I'm sorry, because he, he's good. We, we've had just, uh, we, we've hung out with uh, Charles and his wife, Kimberly, for a few days this last week, and he's uh, just dropped him at the airport at half past five this morning. So if you've got any spare prayers, like, bring them, because it's going to benefit you, right? Because if I stay awake, then we're all going to do better, right? So amazing day last Sunday. Um, we shared some news um, last Sunday, which I'll just very briefly repeat. Um, we shared the news that uh, Miriam Richardson Elegon is joining our team as a children's pastor, which we are absolutely delighted about. Uh, so that is Miriam. Uh, so if you see her, pray for her, encourage her. Um, Dave and Beth, who many of you will know, are continuing in their role overseeing kids and youth ministry here. But we're going to share some news with you this morning about our Stains site. What you need to do is promise me something here, okay? Because we're telling them at the service that starts at half past ten, which means it hasn't started yet. So, phones away, pigeons away. Any other communication devices away just for a little bit? Let me just share. So the brief history is this. January 2020, we announced plans to become one church many places, a journey to become a multi-site church. Dave and Beth were going to be site pastors. We, we announced all of that. Then there was a very rude pandemic. As we emerged from that in autumn 2021, Dave and Beth were still serving as children's pastors, but had also taken on oversight of youth ministry and just sort of just had no bandwidth to think about stains. But at the same time, the Lord clearly spoke to myself and Bethan that now was the time to get going. And so we said, well, we'll act as um, acting site pastors for Staines for up to a couple of years, which we, we did. We said yes to the Lord as best we could. And I shared this last week. I think my wife has done an amazing job um, at gathering stuff there. So, so we launched Sunday services on the 8th of May. Today is the 7th of May. So it's the one-year birthday. They're having a party down there today. They're baptizing. They've got the kids going in the swimming pool afterwards, and they're having lunch together. So, that, so remember them. The news is this that I'm going to share this morning. Dave and Beth are going to become site pastors for the site in States. So... This is all enabled by Miriam coming on board. It just frees up some capacity for them. So they're still going to oversee kids and youth ministry. Um, but from the end of June, uh, they're going to become the Staines site pastors. So we're going to be handing on to them um, on Celebration Sunday. So we're excited for the site in Staines. We're excited for Dave and Beth because I don't know about you, but we love them. And we love what they bring to our church community here. Uh, for Bethan and I, we're now going to be able to go to church at the same site. For, uh, we've rarely been able to do that for the past 12 months. So we are looking forward to that. But as we said at the start of this journey, what we are going to do is split our time evenly between sites. So sometimes we'll be here and sometimes we will be down in Staines. Um, but my belief is you are in good hands here. Uh, you have Rob and Kathy serving you as site pastors here with a wonderful team of service hosts and, and other leaders around here. So um, 
We believe that this is good for both of our sites, um, and we just love what Jesus is doing across our church right now. Okay? So I'm going to dive in. If you've got a Bible, could you turn to Luke chapter 10? If I were to ask you what qualities you think Christians should exhibit, I wonder what you would say. You may be here this morning and uh, you're visiting for the first time. Maybe you'd say, well, I'm not yet a follower of Jesus yet. Firstly, you're really welcome. But I wonder for you, what do you think Christians should be like? If you're here and you've been following Jesus for years and years and years, I wonder what you think Christians should be like. And there's lots of good answers to that, right? Loving, merciful, kind, compassionate, things like that, creative. One of the qualities I believe to be a hallmark of followers of Jesus is this, radical generosity. Radical generosity. Lives marked by excelling and exceeding generosity. That our love and our mercy would be generous. That our compassion for people in need would be generous. That it would be off the charts. And so that is what we're going to share about in this next little series. Radical generosity. We're going to look at a story in Luke chapter 10 which will be familiar to many of us. It's a story which is entitled The Good Samaritan. Um, So I'm going to read that. That's from verse 25 of Luke chapter 10. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? In other words, what must I do to be good? to To earn the mustard with God. Like, what must I do to be good? What is written in the law, Jesus replied. How do you read it? Have you noticed how infrequently Jesus answered questions? You notice that? In fact, if you go through the Gospels, he only answered questions about twice. Most often, Jesus answers a question with a question. He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. I often say this around here, all means all. The word used in the Greek here is the word holos from which we get holistic. All your soul, mind, strength, everything. Give it all. So this guy, good answer. And then love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, So, who is my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he fell into the hands of robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day, he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these three 
do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. It's a beautiful story, isn't it? Beautiful. We need to remember, I think, that in Jesus' day, there had been long-running animosity between the Jewish people and Samaritans, to the extent that if a Jew was traveling a certain route, they would actually take a longer route in order to avoid going through Samaria. So this story, we need to remember, this is a shocking story when Jesus told it. Samaritans were not good to Jewish listeners. And so Jesus' story is right in people's faces. There are these Jewish religious people who just sort of cross the road and pass by. And then this Samaritan who was despised did a beautiful thing. You need to sort of feel the tension in the story as Jesus is telling it. And I want to share with us today three just quick things about what does radical generosity look like? So I want to suggest that this Samaritan acts in radically generous ways. The first is this. Radically generous people find reasons to give rather than reasons not to. They look for reasons to give rather than reasons not to. In this question that the teacher of the law is asking, verse 29, he's kind of saying, who is my neighbor? In other words, he's kind of saying, well, do I have to love that guy? But what about that guy? And he's trying to find a boundary. He's trying to find an edge. Like, you can be generous here, but that's okay. He's trying to find reasons not to love. I remember someone sharing with me that their habit, when they went out to a restaurant to pay the bill, they would give a tip based on the cost before VAT was added. They didn't want that tip going to the government. I kind of get that at one level, but that's looking for a reason not to give. By contrast, I was hearing this from um, another pastor friend of mine, someone who I hugely um, respect, and he was sharing his own journey into financial giving. And he said they got involved with the church, and so they started to give a bit. And then they heard, you know, giving, you know, the practice of tithing, giving a tenth is a good thing. So he said, I'll do that. And then someone said, well, you know, it's a good idea to give, you know, before tax, in other words, gross rather than net. And he said, well, I didn't know the right thing to do, so I just gave the bigger amount. That's good. That's looking for reasons to give not reasons not to. And I love that. And I know um, for him and his family now, they give over 20% of their income to their local church, looking for reasons to give. Second thing, radically generous people are sacrificial. As I read this story, I assume that the Samaritan had a reason for carrying oil and wine on his journey. There was something, he didn't set out thinking, I'm going to pour this on a half-beaten-up guy. There was a reason he had that. And so there was a cost to him. He was going somewhere. He was traveling. This was inconvenient. It took time to serve in the way that he did. He gives the innkeeper two denarii. That's equivalent to two days' wages. This isn't just throwing a couple of quid. This is, this is two days' wages. I assume that he had other plans for that money. 
I assume he was saving up for a holiday or a new iPhone. Other brands of phone are available, but anyway, I'm not going to go there because that gets you into trouble. Or, you know, he's saving up for a new car or something like that. I assume that he had other plans for that resource. Radical generosity costs time, costs energy, it costs resources. It is sacrificial, but it seems to me, it seems to me that that's the way of Jesus, isn't it? You can say amen if you agree. Seems to me that's the way of Jesus, the one who gave everything. Radical generosity is simply following the way of Jesus. And the third thing I want to share this morning is this. Radically generous people look for ways to be generous. They kind of sniff them out. They look on and find them. And then Jesus says, you know, essentially to us and to his listeners, look at the attitude of that guy and then go and do likewise. Look, look, look at the kind of way that he lived out his life and go and do the same. Now, one of the things that I love about this church and one of kind of our greatest honors being you know, involved in this church and leading this church is the generosity that we see around here. So let me just share a few things. Go grab a copy of our latest finance report. It's on the tables at the side. What you will find is that last year, a little bit, of eight, a little bit over 8% of our total income was given to serve the poor. And 18, uh, another 9% was given beyond ourselves, not to benefit us, but to benefit other organizations. We spend a little over 14% of our total income on children and youth. I love being part of a church that would do that, that would serve in that way. We recently ran some guitar classes for children and youth in our church. And I'll touch back on that in a moment. One of the things that I loved hearing is some people in our church family heard about that. They donated guitars so that these kids could learn. I love that. That's sniffing out ways to be generous. So I'm going to talk a little bit about financial generosity. Just put some legs on it, make this a little bit practical for us. Just a couple of things I want to share this morning. Firstly is this. I believe that it is a good habit for all of us to prayerfully review our giving, our finances, at least once a year. And so we're inviting everyone that's a part of our church community to do that this month, to look at um, where our money goes, you know, what comes in, what we do with it, and how we can live radically generous lives. And so for some of us, as we prayerfully think about that, it will be the time to start giving, or to start giving regularly, or to press in to uh, greater places of radical generosity. So that's the first thing that I just want to commend to you. Just take some time over the next couple of weeks to prayerfully think about that. The second thing is, is that we are heading towards a gift day in the life of this church on the 21st of May. So that is in two Sundays' time. And as I've been preparing for this over the last few months, I simply believe that the Lord is inviting us to be radically generous, but in a specific way. This year, we want to be radically generous to serve and bless the next generation, our children and young people. Bottom line, without exception, we were all children once. If, there were, if you weren't, come and see me at the end, because that means you've jetted in from another planet, and I would love to meet you. But I'm guessing that we were all children once, right? 
And surveys consistently tell us that around about 80-ish percent of people who give their yes to Jesus do so before they're 20 years old. 80, 80 to 90 percent do that. So there are a couple of specific things that we would love to give to as a church community this year. The first is Vineyard DTI. DTI is Dreaming the Impossible. Um, it is the youth movement of vineyard churches. If you will, it is our baby. If you're part of a vineyard church, this is our baby. Back in 2019, Vineyard Churches announced plans to expand that part of our family. So that included just scaling up a summer festival, uh, supporting youth ministry in local churches. DTI also runs a leadership academy. We have some of our youth in this church on that leadership academy right now. There's two of our youth on that. And so back in 2019, an offering was taken at the National Leaders Conference. Um, the Vineyard family was incredibly generous. You know, the pandemic was very rude again. Very rude again. And so those resources, rather than just kind of scaling up a summer festival, um, expenditure continued to happen, but there were obviously reduced ticket sales for obvious reasons. Um, and what that means is, is that now that DTI has kind of like got going, and last summer was amazing, and I'll show you a little video of that in a moment, what it means is those resources that were given have now been used up. But to enable DTI to grow so that it can break even and press on from there, it is going to take significant investment from our vineyard family, of which we are a part. So what I would love to do, that here is a quick just highlights video of the Vineyard DTI Summer Festival, just so you get a feel of that. I came to DTI without peace, but now I feel a lot more peace and no more anxiety. I now know for 100% that God loves me no matter what. I need to go and pray and tell others about the love of God. After years of hanging on, I let go and gave it all to God. I've gone to church my whole life, but only properly connected with God yesterday when I went to the front and gave my life to Jesus. God loves and he forgives without conditions. That's what we call grace. Like nothing you can do to earn it or to deserve it. It is constant no matter what. And so when Jesus says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind and strength, in other words, he's saying, keep God on the throne. We are not saved by our good works. We're not saved by the things that we do. We are saved by the grace of Jesus, by the unconditional, unmerited love of Jesus. You are being offered an identity that's beyond your wildest dreams and it's given to us freely in Jesus. You are free and you are loved. And it's not about success, it's about courage. And it's about continually creating those environments where it's like, Lord, this is, this is on you, but I want to see you move. He is the starter, the pioneer, but he's also the perfecter of our faith. Either Jesus died and rose again, or he didn't. But if he did, then we have everything to live for. 
because nothing is impossible with God. After DTI, I feel redeemed, free and loved by God. So DTI is amazing. Last summer there were about 3,000 young people on site. Um, this year it looks like there will be 3,500 plus young people on site. So here's the thing. As a church, we want to give a gift to Vineyard DTI of at least £25,000 to invest in the next generation. So that's the first thing. The second thing is this. With our own children and youth that are part of our Riverside Vineyard family. It seems to me that our children and youth are growing up in an, in an increasingly godless culture, in an increasingly difficult culture. I, I heard this statistic. It's a very sobering statistic. It's from the, the Millennium Cohort Study, which is a proper academic study. This was reported about a year ago. They reported that one in four teenagers in the UK reported that they had self-harmed in the preceding 12 months. 25% had self-harmed. These are our kids. That should shock us. Just a little snapshot of what is going on with young people in our world. At the same time, I'm incredibly hopeful because it seems to me that the Lord is stirring something in the next generation. So a bunch of you will have heard what is going on. There is a spiritual awakening which is globally trickling out. Um, seems to be started in a place called Asbury in the US amongst Gen Z and is rippling out in lots of different places. It is exciting. Here at Riverside, here's just a few things over the last few weeks. On Easter Sunday, 12 of our young vineyard children said yes to Jesus. So some of those... It's amazing. Some of them are what we would call repeat offenders. And, you know, you might be like me. I remember growing up in church, and I would say yes a few times just to make sure. But there were some of these children, that was their first time of saying yes to Jesus, and we love that. Um, we are in the process of multiplying the young vineyard age groups here at the Felton site in order to make more room for children. Um, Dave and Beth were telling me that between January and Easter, 52 new children have been added to the children groups list at the Feltham site. So that's just, that's just some of what is going on. 11 children and youth um, came along to the guitar classes that will help them not only learn guitar, but start to equip them for leading worship. So 11 children engaged with that. There were six of our teenagers that went to the youth worship school that was hosted at Winchester Vineyard. Um, and one of those girls, I'm going to tell the story very quickly. She was a light-breaking addition to sign up for the youth worship school. Um, she went there, had a week of just encountering the presence of God. Came back with this sense of, I'm called to be a worship leader. Came along to the guitar classes. At the same time, there was somebody in our church that had donated one of those guitars. So that's the guitar she's learning on. What you need to know was that person was her great-grandfather. That's kind of sweet. That's kind of sweet. Those are just some of the things that are going on. 
Now, one of the things that we are seeing is an increasing neurodiversity in the children and youth that are coming along. And as a church, it's really important that we are inclusive and accessible to children and young people that need additional support. So, for example, our children's ministry, Young Vineyard, is designed to be fun, high-energy, messy, noisy, with a buzz in the room. That is how it is designed. As you can imagine, for some, sensory overload becomes a bit of a challenge. Some children do okay in that space, but then they need a little bit of a break. There are some of our young people, when, particularly at the 11-15 service, when there are 30 or 40 teenagers in the room, that's okay for a bit, but they need a bit of a breather. And so what we are wanting to do is to create specific additional needs spaces in our building here. There are two rooms that we have identified at our Feltham site. One on the ground floor out the back there, which we want to equip as an additional need space for teenagers, for our youth. Um, and there is one up on the first floor, which again we want to set up as an additional needs kind of breather space uh, for young vineyard children. And so there's a couple of slides coming up. There you go. Just calm and peaceful and with some things in there which will just help some of our children and young people with additional needs just, to, just for church to be really accessible for them. There, uh, there is a need to upgrade some of our other kids' spaces here, the outdoor play area. We also want to make sure that there are resources for additional needs, children and youth, at our stain site as well. So we're going to make sure that that is included as well. So as we've looked at those costs, there's an estimated cost of these projects of £25,000. So here's the thing. We are praying that at least £50,000 is given so that we can give a great big generous gift to Vineyard DTI and also serve our next generation of kids and youth here in our church, uh, particularly in the area of additional needs. So to help us to prayerfully prepare for this journey together, um, there is a letter for you this morning. There are envelopes at the back as you um, leave this morning. So we've just written a letter just to summarize all of that, just to uh, refresh our memories of that. If you are in a small group or serve on one of our teams, there is a letter for you at the back which will have your name on the front. Please just pick that up. It would really help us if you could do that because that's going to save a whole heap of postage. So please do that. If you're in a small group or a team and your envelope is not here or there's not an envelope for you, you have our apologies in advance. Uh, it may just be that your leader, team leader, small group leader has not updated records and so we didn't know that. But to make it uh, available for everybody, if you're not currently in a small group or a team or there's not an envelope for you, there are a load of blank envelopes at the back. And we, so bottom line, I would love everybody, if, if you are here and you're part of Riverside Vineyard Church, could you make sure that you pick up an envelope this morning? Ideally one that's addressed for you if you're on a team or a group, but if not, just pick up one of the blank envelopes. For those of you that are online this morning, if you go to riversidevineyard.com slash gift day, all of the details are there. And that's available for all of us. All of the information is there. 
Um, we would love you to participate in that. So here, very briefly, five things that I'd love you to do over the next two weeks. Firstly, pray about how you can live a radically generous life, what that looks like for you. Secondly, would you pray about your regular giving to the life of our church here? Ask the Lord to speak to you, listen to him, and then trust him. Thirdly, would you ask the Lord about how you can give over and above your regular giving to the next generation of children and young people? The Vineyard DTI and the projects that we're wanting to press into here. And then fourthly, would you complete a response card? There is a response card um, within the letter. You will find that in there um, and bring that to a service, one of our services on the 21st of May. If you're away that day, you can send it into the church office, or if you go to that gift day webpage, you can fill out an online response form there, and you can be a part of it that way as well. And fifthly, DTI takes a massive number of volunteers to make it happen. There is a dream team, and you can be part of the dream team, um, and we would love you to consider uh, just serving the next generation in that way. Let me close with this, and then we'll pray together. As I said, it seems to me that the world around us is increasingly messy, increasingly challenging. There is a generation of children and young people that desperately need Jesus Christ. They desperately need the identity that he brings because they're not finding it in their world. They're not, there, is a, there is a massive identity crisis going on right now. Huge identity crisis. A generation that need hope and identity that only Jesus can bring to them. And what I want to say to us today is that this is happening on our watch. It's happening on our, in our day. And one of the things that I would love us to rise up and say is not on our watch. I'm, I'm not just going to sit on my hands and let this happen. Not on our watch. Amen? Can I actually, can you turn around to somebody and say, not on our watch? Say, say it to them louder. <laughs> Capetian. <laughs> not on our watch, friends. Not on our, I am, I hope you're with, I am not prepared for us just to sit around and see a generation of young children burn. I'm not prepared for that. To not on our watch. What I want to invite us to do is we see all of that stuff going on and what we do is that we rise up and we step in and we step up and we step towards all of this with radical generosity. Our children and young people need the radical generosity that, that Jesus can kind of stir up and catalyze in our hearts. Is that okay? Not on our watch. Not on our watch. Amen.